Hello, humans. Welcome to Not You, Guillermo, a What We Do in the Shadows podcast brought to you by The Dip. I'm Nicole Conlin. And I'm Patrick Monahan. This week, we're going to recap episode five of season three of What We Do in the Shadows with a very special guest. Let's dive in, shall we? This week, we're joined by writer, comedian, and actor Anthony Atamanik, who plays Sean Rinaldi, the gang's neighbor. Hi, Anthony. How are you? I'm good. How you doing? Thanks for having me on, guys. We're so excited to have you here. I know, Nicole. Uh, I just think of all the years of class. I know. Where you would, you know, I think half the time like me and half the time you hated me. (laughs) (laughs) No, I always like, there were were plenty of other teachers that I did hate, but your classes were always some of my favorite. Although I did once in your Meditation Herald class, I did have, this was before I got out of antidepressants and in therapy, but I did have a pretty significant panic attack. Yeah, I did. And you were, uh, you were very helpful. (laughs) Well, yeah, you know, I think about that now and go, wow, I was really practicing some medicine without a license there. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it was a it was a bad situation for all of us. And then in another class that I took of yours in the Monocene Herald class, that was the class that Sarah was in who wrote last week's episode. Yes, Sarah Neftalis. Yes. Yeah. It pays to uh, teach your students well because then they hire you later or have you guest on their podcast. It's, it's my plan is working out yeah. to not make any effort. <laughs> yes. Well, I would say that there's a pretty substantial difference between, you know, guest starring in an episode of television and appearing on our podcast. But no, I appreciate it's that it's included in the same sentence. <laughs> it's all the same. Trust me. <laughs> Credit's a credit. Exactly. So obviously, I know you from UCB and in the President Show, you got to do a lot of uh, improv, especially when you were kind of doing like on the street sort of pieces or like in the daycare and stuff. Did you get to do any improv in this show? I know that they like to do that with like sort of the vampire characters, but I don't know how much room there is for, you know, the world around them. Oh, yeah. I mean, the scene with Laszlo out on the porch, we have evolved that and improvised some of it uh, over the course of the takes. Like the whole thing of him moving in on me and me being like, no, I don't that we made that up while we were filming. You know, I mean, I think that like anything, there's a hierarchy on shows, you know, and also the time that you're there. So the first season I would, you know, if they said, okay, try another line, then I would do it. But I wouldn't take that liberty. It's not my show. I'm a guest star. But then, you know, once you understand the conditions of the show and you know everyone better and better each year, it's like in class or, you you know, the more comfort you have with people, the more everyone trusts. And so therefore, there's more trust to make things up. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know uh, when I told Colin to stop asking so many questions. That was I improvised that. I don't know. It's like little bits and pieces. I mean, you know, you rarely do a whole monologue. Uh, what I did tell him to fuck off, that was all. I thought they weren't even going to use that take. That was sort of like the last, last, last take. So they were like, just do whatever. And I was just like, fuck you and fuck you. And and then they ended up using that one. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, they let they let you in. I would say, you know, I've obviously uh, uh, been there enough time that I know everyone, you know, Harvey and Kayvan and Tosh and Matt well. So, you know, we hang out outside of shooting. So it's easier to do work like that. You know, is that boring enough answer? It was very interesting. <laughs> <answer. laughs> 
I have some questions about this board game that Colin Robinson brings. Is do you know is this an actual game? Did they did like the art department mock up like a full board game with rules and everything? It is not a real game. And they did mock up a board game and they mocked up pieces. I think if I recall, we would all sort of look at the we would look a little bit at it. Maybe Mark, I think probably looked at it the most. I think it was sort of gibberish. Like, I think if you got down into it. Yeah, oh, and Mark, too. Obviously, I'm friends with Mark, too. Jesus, I can't <laughs> believe I left out the energy vampire. Yeah, and, and I, I I remember uh, it being um, something that I was like, I wish this was a game. I'll say yeah. that. I was like, this would be such a fun game. It felt like a very 80s game. Like, in the 80s, there were all these, like, there was one, uh, I remember... Um, an actual board game that was all based in the London underground. And it was like a whodunit game. And it was, and the, the board was a map of the London underground. And you like solve the mysteries by going to different train stations in the London. And I remember it being super complex and it looked a lot like that box. It's believable, but no, it's not real. I was going to ask, this is now long past now, if you've ever uh, tried, uh, did, is there an actual guy pillow that they made or is it just the boxes? Like that, that was my. Uh, I think that they, <laughs> I don't think they constructed the pillows. I think those pillows were probably some sort of Amazon order or something. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know, but they were, but there was a pillow inside. And uh, was it the best pillow? No. I mean, I'm a real <laughs> pillow snob. I'm going to say something. It was a very fitting it's funny because my wife will say this to me. I have like, if there's, you know, people have different sort of pet peeves when they watch shows. And mine is I get visibly disturbed when people are sleeping in too small a bed or the pillows <laughs> don't look good. And Flossie, uh, my wife will turn to me and go, you don't like that, do you? And I'll go, nope. How are they both in that bed? It's very small. I don't get it. How do they have room to spread out? And uh, I bring my pillows with me when I travel. I am very, very intense about sleep because I had such sleep problems for such a long time as a kid. So yeah, I am very, very, very deeply invested in pillows, pillow quality, fill count, thread count, all those things. Interesting. So this was a little bit of a method performance for you. You brought a lot of yourself to the pillow roll. Actually, the thing that's interesting is if you think about it, I had such disgust for this pillow. Like this is the (laughs) most... This the idea of the guy pillow is the most repulsive idea in the world. It's cheap. <laughs> it's in a box. It's sold on TV. So I had to do real acting to, 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 <laughs> to, to give a shit about pillow. it. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, a pillow for guys. Okay, you know it's <laughs> yeah, been too yeah. long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. I, I was. I, I thought it was funny that also, like, you know, you you were saying that you thought. The, the, you know, the my pillow would be out of the news. And I was going to say, you know, you got to be careful. You know, I'm just glad you didn't offend the reinstated Secretary of State, Mike Lindell. You know, yeah, according right. to various predictions, that's how things were going to go down. So that's right. It could have been Mike. We got very could have been Mike Lindell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys shoot in an actual house, right? Not on a stage? No, no, we shoot in a stage. The, that interesting that uh, house that basement was a real house in season two, and they I don't know why what what the circumstances were, but they couldn't get access to that property 
um, or to shoot in the basement again. So they rebuilt that basement. And I have wow. to say, when Matt and I walked in there, we were blown away and we kept being like, wow, I can't believe this is this basement. A couple of times when we finished, we headed to the stairs where you would exit, forgetting that we were not in that, <laughs> that we were not in wow. the house. It was amazing. The art department there is like has to be one of the top five art departments I've ever seen. I mean, they just the library is like insane. Yeah. It's amazing, and uh, you know the. The interiors of the house, because I got to finally go into the house, you know, which I've, yeah. I've been in the house, but I haven't been in the house as my character. And it's just really incredible. It's incredible work they do. But yeah, that basement's just, and they even have a bathroom in there. I don't know why we never go in that bathroom, but there was a bathroom off of the basement in the real house. So they just built yeah. a bathroom off of there. <laughs> so. That's so I'm always blown away. Yeah, I, not to be like, Haha, but like even my, you know, my art department on President's show, I don't think there's a, there's every department's important, but that department, man, when it hums, there's nothing like it. When you can just go, I need this. And can you make this? And they go, yes. And then they give you what you saw in your mind. That's just an incredible skill. So when I, when I was on Colbert, I wrote a joke where he, there's like this famous gif of him eating popcorn on the Colbert Report. And so I wrote one that was like, I don't know if we can, it's like 20 minutes till showtime. Let's give him a giant, like human sized box of popcorn. But if we can't do it, it's fine. And the art department was just like, yep, no problem. And they yeah. got it. And it's the stuff that I could never do that job. It's so I would get instructions yeah. to build one prop and be like, yeah, I don't know. I can't do it. Ugh. Yeah, it's, it's wild. So I started talking about the basement because I was curious if those like, in Toronto, I know they shoot Toronto for New York a lot, but is there just like a normal house next to this big Victorian mansion or is it all cheated? No. Well, so the Victorian mansion is now gone. That's a digital mansion now. Whoa. Uh, yeah. There's a real facade that's built on the lot or where they uh -huh. film. But that house was real. It was used for a lot of filming, and here's the the strange part. So where they sort of sort of shoot for Staten Island is actually where my father was born and grew up in Toronto, the Danforth and that sort of area. So that area, that house, my dad knew growing up, and so uh, it's funny to me that the area they shoot for Staten Island is my father's sort of birthplace and where he grew up working at a fish and chips place. So like his. <laughs> His birth home was like four doors down from where we filmed in Whoa. season one. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, that is a real house. And that house also, when season one, I remember them, they found like a raccoon family in the basement. Like that house <laughs> was like completely empty inside and like rotting. And they were like, there's black mold on the thing. I was like, get out of there. I was like, don't be in there for long stretches of time. So they never had an, an actual real interior. That was always a set, but the exterior was this house on a corner and, and then they, they got rid, they had to change it out. Wow. That's crazy. It's perfect that it's like the empty house that kids probably dare each other to go into and stuff, you know, yeah. and then, and that ends up being, yeah. And inside there's some very surprisingly unexciting vampires, uh, in, in, yeah. in the show, uh, <laughs> you know, not what you're imagining. Uh, that's, that's, yeah. wow. Yeah. But now Toronto, you know, Toronto's very, uh, 20 years is a completely different city. So they're building everywhere all the time. So I think they get rid of any old buildings they can. It's a shame. <laughs> yeah.
So, Anthony, you were also in the previous episode, uh, number 304, which was the casino. That, I think, is my favorite episode of the season. It's so funny. Your line delivery where you say uh, that your friend put glass in the piccata, so you got a whole bunch of chips, is so funny. You grew up uh, around New York, right? No, I grew up in Boston, actually. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Have you been to Atlantic City? Oh, yeah. 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 I'm a big-time gambler. Um, Great. (laughs) But not like a, I, I play car. I mean, I play, I play poker um, uh-huh. <clears throat> and uh, I'll play dice too, but, um, and roulette. But the point is, uh, <laughs> uh, and the slots. And horses. Uh, and, yeah, yeah. And, yes. and war. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, I've been to Atlantic City. I've been to Borgata and uh, what else is the other one? The pink, the, the flamingo or whatever it's called, uh, the Tropicana. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I've been to Atlantic City a couple of times. I've been with Neil Casey. You remember my friend Neil Casey? He was the bad guy in the 2016 Ghostbusters. That's right. That's uh, right. Yes. And um, many Curb Your Enthusiasms. So, yes, yes, I've been there. I've been to Vegas. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it was – It was. I was actually the one I kept bothering the production staff because the casino was closed because <laughs> of COVID. So we got to shoot – we had the run of the place. So everybody in there was an extra. Um, and I kept being like, oh, why don't they just have them turn on some of the machines? I'll play. Like <laughs> – I'll gamble. And they're like, you can't do that. And I, I, I would say it every day we were shooting. I was like, yeah, why don't they just turn, yo, just turn the one on near me. I mean, I got <laughs> so much time on my hands. Let me just play. So yeah, it was great. I mean, Marissa, as my wife is, you know, she's like a legend, you know, she's like a real talent, you know? So you like meet someone who's like a real talent. You're like, Jesus, like you really are, <laughs> you know, you actually are, are good. I'm pretending. Um, and, uh, and, you know, cause you know, she's the original lead in Hairspray and she's an incredible actress and so funny. And when we worked together the year before we got on like a house on fire within five minutes, we didn't know each other at all. And we knew exactly our dynamic. And so, you know, we got to play that out. I wish, you know, obviously you always wish it's not a show about us. So that's why, but you always wish that more of our interaction got in because it's so funny to see i think the two of us go at each other but she had a, a i think uh, some really funny moments in that so it was a lot of fun you know it was a, a really fun episode i would love to watch an episode that's from the perspective of sean and charmaine and then you can kind of get hints of vampire stuff happening in the background yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a funny episode i think you're in the minority but yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's it i i think everyone would go what the fuck people love the vampires <laughs> you, you, everyone loves the yeah. vampires the the that's just the real that's the truth because sure, that's, that's a what show the show's about, about. Yeah. but that's what i'm saying so but i don't i i, I love <laughs> i love an episode that's like why are we following this character and then you realize there's a whole story happening that's a, i that's, agree with i agree with you <laughs> yeah that's a, that's a big prestige tv trend right now is just a, a, a kind of standalone episode that then kind of hooks in at the end where you're following somebody who seems completely, yeah. It would be great. Maybe next yeah. season. Maybe like Death of a Salesman. It would be great. It would, it would be a real <laughs> Willie Loman uh, episode. But yeah, so much fun. So much fun to do that. And, and we shot that in Niagara. And, you know, it was great. It was a lot of fun. Anthony, thank you so much for joining us. This was so fun. I wish we could keep talking to you all day, but eventually it would just get to the point where I'm like, uh, and I liked this thing you did, and I loved this thing you did, and that's not fun for anybody, probably including you. Um, no, make so, me uncomfortable. <laughs> so we'll we'll let you go. Um, where can people find you? 
Oh, wow. Uh, people could go to Twitter and go to Tony Atamanik, last name A-T-A-M-A-N-U-I-K. Uh, that's my handle. Let's see. I'm going to be doing my show on Twitch, uh, restarting coffee with Tony, because it'll be the winter and there'll be no work. So I'll be doing a Twitch stream. Uh, you can go to Shaddy Fatty, twitch.tv slash Shaddy Fatty. Watch that, uh, 12.30 to 1.30 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. And John Gemberling, Bever's fame from Broad City, and myself are doing a new podcast called The Phony and Collie Show on all things comedy, and that's coming out in October. Very cool. So find Anthony on all of those places. And after the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about what happened to all the other characters in this week's episode. And we're back, and we're going to talk about Episode 5, The Chamber of Judgment. Uh, the logline for this episode is, uh, Justice is served both vampirically and also in small claims court. On one hand, this episode, we have another uh, Laszlo and Colin adventure. They spend the evening at uh, their neighbor Sean's place. Shawnee, as some may know him. Uh, and, Shawnee! Uh, <laughs> so they're invited over to do some... Uh, Classic sports watching. Uh, I believe it's high school sports that they're they're checking out. The community the, the, college sports. Oh, it's I'm sorry, the purest community form college. of sports per yes. Colin Robinson. Yes. And it's them and some of the other guys that are friends with Sean. And as it turns out, this was sort of a, a trap laid by Sean to uh he has an exciting opportunity for them. And it's for them to get involved in a uh, a business scheme that he's involved in, selling the guy pillow for the man who sleeps. You know, finally a pillow for the fellas, you know, which I think has been neglected over pillow history. And uh, it's not the my pillow, to be very clear. It's the guy pillow. It may look similar, but it's very different. And it's uh, for the low, low price of $49.99 per pillow. And uh, he wants to both sell them the pillows and also recruit them into the rapidly expanding guy pillow business empire, otherwise known as a, a multi-level marketing scheme. Sean basically confesses he's been having a rough time. He bought in pretty heavily to the guy pillow, and uh, now he needs his pals to buy, you know, <laughs> way more pillows than any one person could possibly need each. He thought that Laszlo was going to buy 30 pillows and that Guillermo's poor, so he would, he would only buy 10 pillows. He's expecting Laszlo to spend truly like $1,500 on pillows. Yeah. Pillows that only he can use because he's, a, you know, it's for guys. Not, yeah, not he can't use them. So Laszlo, when they have the heart to heart, thinks that Sean is trying to seduce him and kind of goes in for a little kiss. But uh, uh, they clear that up and we find out exactly how deep in Sean is in a, you know, what basically plays to me like a horror sequence as there's a garage behind them and you're just waiting to find out what is in the garage. And he opens the garage door and it's, Something like $12,000 worth of pillows. It's uh, pallets and pallets of pillows. And it's so funny because Charmaine doesn't know about it, but it's the whole garage. Yeah. And so he Sean's in deep. And he, it turns out, is being sued by, uh, I believe his name is Barry Deegan, who is the person that he got involved with in the guy pillow sales. And uh, Laszlo, being the good friend that he is, and having some experience as a barrister uh, in, in the past, 
uh, agrees to, you know, or basically insists on defending Sean in, in small claims court. He, he says that he's defended a lot of hogs and horses in the past. That's been most of his experience. So we go to small claims court. You know, Laszlo really uh, uh, shoots the lights out. Um, his you know, uh, <laughs> really endears himself to the judge who uh, promptly rules uh, in favor of the plaintiff, meaning that Sean loses. And that's how that goes. And then his storyline intersects with the other storyline. So we'll start from the beginning there. Meanwhile, Guillermo is sort of trying to do a worm tongue thing with um, Nadja and Nandor, who are both still kind of vying for the throne. And he's trying to whisper into both of their ears and kind of play them against each other. And it appears to be working. There's a point when he gets to sit on the throne because neither of them want to sit on the throne, but then the throne looks weird when it's empty. So he's like, well, I guess I could do it. No, you know what? I can't. It's I have way too much to do today. And then they agree to like let him wear the robe and sit on the throne and stuff. And so they start trying cases. And there's a guy who sold essentially that blue-green algae stuff, but for vampires that's supposed to protect them from sunlight. And it is, you know... It's nothing. It's like an essential oil. And they there's a video of them. Clearly, a family of vampires has decided to go vacation in a national park, <laughs> which is really funny. And they're like, they all like kind of pile out of this RV and just immediately catch fire. My question is, after the first guy goes out and catches fire, why would anybody else go out at that point? But so he kills all these vampires. They decide to show him some mercy. And instead of killing him, imprison him for a thousand years. And then... There's a there's another vampire who's broken basically every rule of vampirism and he shows up and it's Derek. This is Derek from season two. And we have assumed that Derek is dead, but it turns out he got turned into a vampire and Guillermo has been living with this guilt this whole time. And now he realizes that his vampires, Nandor and Nadja, are going to sentence him to death. So he has to figure out a way to get Derek out of this. They sentence him to die in the sunlight well, which is the same way that they were sentenced to die, but they got out thanks to Colin Robinson. Um, And so Guillermo tosses him a cloak and is like, I'm going to get you out. I'm going to figure something out. And when he goes back to the house and realizes that Laszlo is a lawyer, then he's like, okay, I'm going to make this work. And so he brings Laszlo down to the vampiric council where judgment is happening. And he has Laszlo stage a defense for Derek. However, Laszlo is so falling down drunk at this point that he can't even get words out. And Guillermo has to be like, I think what Laszlo meant to say was that, you know, he will take this new vampire, Derek, under his wing and teach him the ways of vampirism because Derek didn't know any better. Nobody explained anything to him. And Nadja, because she wants to give Laszlo a win, is like, we should let him win his first court case ever, which is also very funny because it implies that even back when he was a lawyer, a barrister, he didn't win any cases. <laughs> and so they agree, they let Derek off the hook, and then Derek has to work off his debt by going door to door and selling all of Sean's pillows. And he uses sort of vampiric hypnosis to do so, although we don't actually see whether or not it's successful, but it is implied. So there it is. Uh, yeah, we, I, I, I just want to say, first of all, I was thrilled at the return of Derek, because Me too. I, I love when uh, plotting is neat and comes together in a way that makes sense. And, you know, the Mosquito Collectors, we haven't heard anything about them since that episode. That certainly could have been something that was just kind of a one off. And, you know, oh, yeah, Derek, you know, and then we just never hear about it again. But uh, Derek being basically the world's worst vampire, committing what I believe is the most heinous crime was described as bad vampire fashion. He looks like... Uh, uh, yes, and he was like, well, nobody explained it to me. I went to Hot Topic. They had some cool stuff. <laughs> He's <laughs> he, wearing, like, he looks, white Doc Martens. 
Yeah, he looks like Captain Morgan almost. It's not a. <laughs> it's not a good look. Uh, it doesn't look, you know. Uh, there's a fine so line funny. though, because if you're not 800 years old, you, you know, you don't really know what's authentic kind of uh, old timey uh, gear. Yeah. So you know, I, I have some sympathy there, but um. Yeah, I mean, it's just a, that that to me was fantastic. And hopefully we get some more nuggets of that. And it seems like it's pretty easy to evade the judgment of the Vampire Council, it turns out. Uh, I mean, yeah. obviously it depends on who's in charge and they all that. They should really but. put somebody in front of the sunlight well to watch it. Because it seems like there's a lot of ways to escape yeah. from it. <laughs> all it takes is just just put one dude there. Yeah, it's yeah. not exactly. Or, or just put a crow cam there. And then you can watch, you know, that's, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. One thing I do wonder is how Derek became a vampire instead of just getting killed. Because there must have been one of the vampires in the house agreed to let him drink their blood because that's how it works. Or maybe he just realized what was happening and just like, as Guillermo was killing all the vampires, like quickly went like, ah, and got some, which is also weird. That would also be very strange, yes. Um... Uh, but, But I do wonder that. Also, Guillermo, I think probably just because he was in a state sort of a panic and didn't want Derek to die... Uh, Guillermo didn't seem as miffed as I thought he would be that, like, this guy got to be a vampire also. That's true. That's kind of the first time we've seen him not react negatively to someone else who got to be a vampire. But, you know, to, to, in his defense, uh, or, or, I mean, that, that's the right reaction because it's his fault that he was put in that situation in the first place. Yes, and they left him behind. Yes. So, you know. Okay, my second favorite part is when at the very beginning... Kristen Shaw like surprises them and they'll go, ah, and then Nandor goes, fucking guide. Very yep. funny. I clocked that, that as well. Very good. Um, and uh, then by far for me, my favorite part of the episode is Colin Robinson doing the Jar Jar Binks voice. Yes. And Laszlo not clocking it because obviously he doesn't know what Star Wars is. So he just hears a voice. Anyway, I've invited Colin Robinson. Oh, muy, muy, miss, I love you. Is that a friend of yours? Miss Jaja Pinks. Oh, that's a nice voice. You don't find this voice annoying? I think it's very funny indeed, Colin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's... He's powerless. You know, he's got to pick he's got to pick the right person to use that on. He she, he should know better. Uh speaking of Colin, who was also called uh at one point Robinson Caruso, I believe, so by funny. Sean. Uh, all of Sean's friends like don't like him cuz he brings a board game to their sports night. What's funny is they do agree to play the board game. <laughs> yeah, somehow that happened. It's not clear. They all kind of go like, "Ugh," but then they all do it. You know, where you think you could overrule the one guy that no one likes and yet <laughs> Um, there's an interesting dynamic kind of a play there where they think they're going to watch sports and then Colin thinks he's going to hijack the night by making them play this board game. And then Sean sort of super hijacks the night by basically trapping everyone and making them listen to his spiel about the pillows. And I have to say, like, you see kind of, at least I, I noticed, at least at the beginning of that, like Colin Robinson was sort of, he was not feeding off of that. He was almost like taking it back and kind of like, like that's maybe MLM or, or timeshare presentation, something like that is something that is, that's how you take him down. He was being drained by a human almost. Yeah. Which I do wonder if that means Sean will eventually turn into an energy vampire. His hair is just going to get longer and more lustrous and he's going to start, you know, <laughs> he's going to just start uh, looking more yeah. and more robust as he, uh, yeah, exactly. Yes, all of that was very funny. Another thing that I noticed is that Sean referred to Nandor and his boyfriend didn't even show up. There's been a lot of hints at a future 
you know, on all the forums, they they say they're shipping Nandoran Guillermo, which I don't know if that's totally true, but there have been a lot of allusions to it. Yeah, and that's, you know, the least interested person's, you know, and simplest sort of viewing of it from the outside looking in is like, oh yeah, that's that guy's boyfriend, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, you know, not even really knowing their vampires or anything, you know, and just kind of, you know, any of that dynamic, knowing not knowing anything about the familiar stuff, just being like, oh yeah, that's right. You know, the truth kind of comes out in a, in a strange way from somebody who doesn't really know anything about the circumstances and yet sort of hits at something, at least in Guillermo's heart of hearts, maybe. I really enjoyed the courtroom scene. It's the perfect amount of just complete incompetence and complete confidence, which I think is is sort of the funniest comedic formula in, in a lot of situations. His big line is, may I approach the bitch? And then <laughs> <laughs> it's not clear how that's going to do anything for you. Uh, when you when I mean, you... Sean was very impressed by it. <laughs> Sean thought it was really funny. And then, and then he said, I said, may I approach the bench? Yeah. What did you think I said? Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> Like, you got then, one over. Why are you belaboring the point? You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're gonna, yeah, I don't know who that's for, but yes, that's fantastic. And then he obviously loses the case. It's, what is interesting to me is he didn't even try to use, like, hypnosis or anything. <laughs> he just tried to use his law acumen, which was non-existent. The only thing that they got right was Colin Robinson had to Google, can you discriminate against a client because of their lawyer's attire? <laughs> After he saw, quote, that old lady wig. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny. It's it's a funny joke, but it's also a subtle dig against the British legal system because they do still wear the wigs. They do still, yeah. It's a look, you know, you can give it that. And then going to the other courtroom scene, I really enjoyed, uh, we had sort of Chekhov's hellhound for most of the episode uh, with this, you know, terrifying beast locked in this big metal box, I guess. It's not really a cage because there's only bars in the front, right? So we can't can't see anything until it's open. And then it ends up being basically like the platonic ideal golden retriever. Yeah. So happy to be there. So cute, wagging its tail. Its name is Aspen. (laughs) It's just, yeah, exactly. Just perfect, you know. There's a minor league baseball um, bat dog for, I believe, the (laughs) Trenton... I believe it's the Trenton Thunder... And his name is his name is Rookie, and he uh, he was just in he was just he went a little viral this week. He's been there for a while, and he pick, picks up the bats and stuff. But he uh, got a little too riled up and like ran out onto the mound and was kind of just you know like prancing around and stuff. And it's like you're still doing a good job. You're good, man. And that that's basically the same kind of vibe that we're getting. You know, just yeah, that we're getting from Aspen wants belly rubs and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, sticks his nose right in Guillermo's crotch, uh, which Nadja theorizes Guillermo has a magic crotch. Yep. Which we again haven't proven that he doesn't. But yeah. I mean, I think I think they're they're I mean, they're gaining Naji in particular, I think, is gaining a little bit of sort of respect for Guillermo in a way that I think was not there, even when she was begrudging letting him be part of the team, you know, where he's obviously very easily playing them against each other during these sort of opening ceremonies for the uh the Chamber of Judgment where they have all the Dancers? various people in Yeah, I guess, you know, well the, we get a lot of the good like rehearsal and stage talk, you know, from the uh, from the guide, you know, take five, uh, you know, and, and uh, back take to five, one. But seriously, don't go far. Yeah. Back to one, uh, you know, and she's she's very exasperated by the whole thing. She also speaking of magic crotches, does some very heavy kind of uh, flirting with Guillermo, which he is obviously not into. Uh, gives a quick look at the camera and a head shake. Um, so he's just becoming a he's just got this magnetism now and. Yeah, he ends up basically, he's sitting on the throne in the robe 
while they just kind of stand there awkwardly. And I also really love the uh, the black robed, the, the little like ghoul guys. I forget what word they used. Uh, I think they're actually called wraiths, and they're kind of like uh, little kind of um, almost like childlike versions of like the Nazgul from Lord of the Rings. They're yes, like black, yeah, you know, yeah, black yeah. robed little monsters. Ring wraiths. There we so go. That makes so, sense. Yeah, their job is primarily in this sh- episode to just drag the uh, the the throne, which has these clawed feet that make a horrible noise, <laughs> and leave marks on the floor back and forth to appease the various configurations that Nandor and Laszlo are trying to agree on during the interpretive dance portion of the judgment ceremony. A lot of people don't know this, but there, uh, before any court uh, appearance, there is an interpretive dance portion. This is actually pretty true to life, uh, you know. And, and, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, that's the first thing they teach you in law school, I hear, is you have to, you actually have to, it's sort of like how you have to like be a writer's assistant before you can be a writer. You have to be one of the dancers before you're allowed to try. Yeah, your first you don't. Case. Really, you don't have to do the dance after a while, but you do remember all the steps from back when. And that's yeah. That's a big it's, part it's important to pay your dues and you know come up in the system and all that stuff. It's a big part of the bar exam. That's why they had to do it in person because um, you can't yes, really, you can't really do that over the computer even during the pandemic. You know that they had to, they had to go do the dance. Uh, yeah. One other thing I forgot about that was really funny is when, so they wheel out this old film projector and Kristen Schell's like, okay, before you can be the vampiric council, you have to watch like our HR video. Like everybody has to watch this video. And then the video is just a creepy man that says, do what thou wilt. That is the only law. And then that's it. (laughs) (laughs) That's efficient. It's good to have the HR, uh, you know, just to check the box and then you just let them know there's no rule they can break. So it's just good organizational work. You know, it's effective. One thing that I just realized that I saw in a Wired article is there, so you, you hear that Laszlo, you know, previously defended horses and swine or whatever. And apparently in Europe, in the, in like, you know, the dark ages and uh, the medieval era, they did put animals on trial and there are actual like etchings of lawyers (laughs) defending pigs and stuff. And they used one of those real etchings and they just put Laszlo's face on one of the barrister drawings. (laughs) So that's like a real phenomenon. And I guess uh, Laszlo didn't have a lot of success with it based on what Nadja says. It's very progressive that uh, pigs get due process, I have to say. Yeah, they definitely don't anymore. Okay, so we have a few big questions. I think we can both agree that in this episode, we didn't get any closer to figuring out what kills Colin Robinson or where he comes from. Well, I mean, like I said, I I think uh, if the right kind of con artist could probably uh, do a number on him in in some weird way. Uh, Although, you know, most con artists are probably also energy vampires. That probably is the kind of thing that the show would, you know, uh, propose. But uh at least initially, he's kind of like, you know, uh, confused and, uh, and and you know, genuinely kind of taken aback. So that's something to keep in mind, I guess. But yes, you're right. It's not, it, there's no and we certainly have no idea where he came from. That's yeah. So that that mystery remains. Yes. And then do we think Guillermo moved closer or farther away from becoming a vampire this week? Given his ability to manipulate these people, you know, it didn't even really seem like it came up. You know, this week, he seemed kind of happy in the position he was in, you know, able to kind of pull the strings he didn't react negatively to seeing Derek, even though Derek had become a vampire. He, you know, there was no sort of hint of jealousy there. That was all guilt-based for obvious reasons. But uh, I would almost say that if Nadia and or Nandor took a second to think about kind of how thoroughly they were played, they pro- he probably would have moved further away from being a vampire because he's already powerful enough as a human. So giving him the extra uh, 
the extra power is probably not a good idea from their perspective. Um, not yeah. that it's going to hurt anybody, but. I So I think it changes in the episode because I think he is pretty effectively worm-tonguing them at the beginning. But then when it comes to Derek, he tries to do it again a little more clumsily and they don't fall for it. Like there's a very funny like cutaway where he's trying to read the art of war and like Machiavelli and stuff uh, and it's not working. And I think at that turning point with Derek, I think he can no longer manipulate them. And that's when he moves further away from becoming a vampire. Yeah. But probably ends up saving his own life in the process. Yeah. Uh, Also, just another funny thing. I wonder if there are two different versions of the throne. Because when any of the real vampires sit on it, it looks normal. But when Guillermo sits on it, his feet don't touch the floor. He's kicking his legs around like a little baby. (laughs) (laughs) It really makes him look as non-vampiric as possible, even when he has the hood on. Yeah, he looks like a little kid in a high chair, like like an IHOP or something when when he's in the... Yes. In the white robe on there. So yeah, not, not not the most imposing figure, to say the least. Yeah. I hate to do a total U-turn on this, but somebody on Twitter did mention that they were interested in my personal energy vampire story. And I have, <laughs> I have some updates from him this week. Uh, I was out of town last week and I came back this week. And so I went back to that office space and I went and he was like, how are your travels? Did you find what you needed? And I was like, yes, <laughs> please go away. And Sounds like an RPG character. He's like a, he's like a g- guy you meet in a role-playing game. <laughs> yes, except in this time, it's a co-working space in the shared kitchen. And then he, we were, he was talking to me about movies he was watching. And uh, I was like, oh, trying to be nice. I was like, what kind of stuff do you like? And he was like, you know, I like things with really strong women. Like, have you heard of this thing called the Bechdel test? And then he explained the Bechdel test to me mm-hmm. and how how hard it was to find movies that passed the Bechdel test. And I was like, okay, please go away. And then later outside, the building has like a car charging station. So I was plugging in my car and he like popped out of the bushes and was like getting a little charge there, huh? <laughs> I was like, I was like, you're just Colin Robinson. Right. I mean, that's like, over, that. that is like too much. Getting a little chargeroo, huh? So that is I'm, straight up Colin. Ever since you pointed out that this man is an energy vampire, it's all I can think about whenever I see him. It's wild. Even knowing what's going on, you're not immune to it. So yeah. uh, watch out, I guess. that's I will. Chargeroo is very upsetting to me. That, that <laughs> is so upsetting. That is straight up. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I, yeah, I, don't, so I don't care for it. They're out there and they're coming for you. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for joining this week. What an episode. Thank you so much to Anthony for joining us, especially. Uh, next week, we're going to be chatting about episode six, The Escape, in which an ancient beast escapes and threatens the existence of all vampires everywhere, which I have to imagine is uh, the world's oldest vampire. And I am so excited. I'm also very excited. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It really helps people find out about the show. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Patty Mo. And you can follow me on Twitter at Nicole Conlon and on Instagram at the Nicole Conlon. And visit thedip.com to stay up to date on all sorts of pop culture. That's thedipp.com. You can follow the dip on Instagram at the dip. May I approach the bat? That's a good one. That was a good one this week. (laughs) 